What up, y'all? What's good? Welcome back to the There's More podcast. This is Hannah Nitz, and uh, man, this podcast exists. I mean, the title says it because I want you to know that there's more. There's more to experience in your relationship with God. There's just levels and levels and levels. Like, I think a Jonas sings about that. Levels, levels, Nick Jonas, Joe Jonas. I don't know the difference. Wasn't into the J bros, but anyway, I want you to experience all the levels to God. So that's what this podcast is all about. And I'm so glad that you joined me today. So the conversation that I will be sharing in this episode actually happened on the radio. Uh, It happened live on air with my friends Brian and Janelle, their morning show at Moody Radio Cleveland. So I just want to thank Moody Radio for trusting me enough to have me on air teaching. I love it. I love being able to do that and just encourage the church in Northeast Ohio. And now you get to have a part of that conversation as well. So you will hear both Brian and Janelle chiming in at different times here. Amazing morning show co-hosts. Um, and I want to give a really special thank you to Ron Eastwood. He um, is the mix master, producer, extraordinaire of the morning show. And he kindly edits and sends me these audio clips. Ron, you to bomb, bro. So anyway, today's combo. Man, I just wish I knew this stuff earlier in my life. Man, this conversation is about uh, not doing stuff, honestly. It is about this natural instinct we all have to do. So you're going to hear us kind of open with talking about being busy and doing stuff, which, you know, this is an interesting time in the world. We actually had this conversation um, one week before COVID-19 shut everything down and we're still busy, but different busy. Some of you may have um, lost a job or a big chunk of what you did, or, you know, you may find yourself like, man, I I'm not as busy as I used to be. I think a lot of us, um, while there's this influx with families needing to homeschool or, you know, make some of these adjustments, at the end of the day, you're not leaving your house as much, Um, you know, except for our sweet, generous, amazing people in this country who are in medical and who are doing these just like essential life-saving jobs. Thank you so much. Uh, But man, for many Americans, you are finding yourself in this new spot where you're not as busy. I had a conversation with uh, a sweet listener who messaged in. Again, you can go to hannahnitz.com and at the top, just click say hello. I had someone message in and say, I am finding myself at home, not volunteering, not mentoring people, not doing all these things that I'm usually doing. And I'm feeling very disconnected from God. And I was like, girl, this was my life. This was my story too. So I hope that this conversation is encouraging to you. It turns out that God has something different in mind from us than just doing, serving, giving our lives. There's this whole thing that God is looking for and it doesn't involve you doing anything. So really pumped for you to hear this. I'm very passionate about this topic. It's probably one of the top five lessons that have changed the way I interact with God. So I'm excited for you to share it. And man, my prayer is just wake up, sweet church, to wake up to what God is and who he is and the awesomeness of him. And I think this conversation is going to help lead the way for some of that. So friends, stop doing stuff. Instead, worship 
instead desire. Here we go. Hannah, you're a doer. You were talking about this before. Hannah Nitz in studio. Hey, guys. Yes. I, I mean, I always have been. And I think uh, if I look around, most of us are. Like, most of us kind of take pride in some level of busyness. I would say even um, things that we wouldn't even think about. You know, it's just our normal day is very busy. You know it's what I mean? It's the American way. It's like, just that what is we, who we are. We it's who we done. are. And in a way, Janelle, it's like who we have to be. Like, if you were like, you know what, I'm just not going to do stuff today. What would happen to your life? Oh. Like, <laughs> your kids, would collapse. your house, your job. Like, I've if you, a lot, though. Yeah, and which, I, tr- I have to keep that in check a lot. So I, I think know. I've even noticed that, which is why, you know, I'm talking about it here with you guys, is yeah. this has infiltrated a lot into our faith and yeah. into our yes. churches and into the way we interact with God and into the way we even talk about loving God yeah. well. Um, I mean, essentially that doing and that desire for me to like need to do in order to prove Mm -hmm. has overflown into my relationship with God that it's been very focused on doing things for God. Like he did so much for me in sending his son that now my whole life is this like giving and serving and sacrificing for him. And you were probably the queen of all doers in Northeast Ohio. I will gladly take that title. <laughs> no, yeah, you're like yeah. your schedule made me feel tired. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what, Brian? It was a lot of kingdom focused doing. It was a lot of yeah, ministry, a lot of um, things that it was like, okay, now that I've come to know the Lord and he's done all of this for me, my understanding is he gives me spiritual gifts and now I better get to work. Like this life is short, YOLO for the kingdom, like make disciples, tell people about Jesus, go, go, go. You were emceeing events, having meetings, working in ministry, doing small groups, life groups, all informal of it, groups. <laughs> And it was all, and yeah. I, I think the most important part about this is a yes. lot of people who are doers are just doing stuff. You thought you were doing, and you were doing things for the kingdom. Yes. very. It was God-focused doing. It was like, this has to be a huge way that I show God that I love him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's wrong with that? <laughs> if someone's like, way to go, Hannah. This is the That's way to go, question. Hannah hour. This is a good question. What is wrong with that? Brian... My whole life has been messed up as I've started to realize what's wrong with that. I, as I've been reading throughout um, the whole Bible, but especially in the gospels, I see that everyone was asking Jesus what to do. I mean, that was like, it, it, this isn't like a new 2020 problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, John six twenty eight through 29. These guys are saying, Hey Jesus, what do I need to do to be doing the work of God? Another one, hey, what do I need to do to be saved? In Mark 10, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? All of the questions that Jesus asked, again, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? And man, as I've read his answers, and then as I've just been reading the Bible, it's like this theme keeps screaming at me everywhere in the Bible that God does not want our doing. He wants our desire. And these are just, this is completely different than I ever looked at God. I have a very controversial statement that people always argue with me on, Brian. Oh, I like to argue, so let's go. Um, oh, I don't want to argue with you on it, but <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you the statement. And it's essentially over this last year, I have come to experience that 
God's love language is quality time and not acts of service. I operated in that the best way I could show God I love him is to do things for him and with him. And instead, as he has taken me throughout his word, I just see that over and over and over again, he is looking for men and women who desire him internally, not who are doing things externally. And we still do things. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like, you know, when I first started learning this, Caleb was like, Anna, you are going real extreme with this. Like, if if everyone listened (laughs) to what you were saying, we would all be monks up in the mountain. And at the time, I was like, yes, I would love to be a monk in the mountain. Like, all I want to do is hang out with God. But it's like, as I'm, as I'm learning this, yes, they're still doing, but it's different when it comes out of our desire. And we all know this story. You know, it started for me with the story of Mary and Martha and that, like, literally, wrecked my life when I started studying it and realizing that God is looking for people who desire him, not who are doing things. And yet you look at James and James talks about doing things and that to, to put your faith into action. But I don't think that's what you're referring to. What you're talking about is ultimately a heart motive. Yes. Like what's going on inside our soul? Because the, the doing you were doing before for the Lord. Yeah. Sounded to me like one of those, wow, God did a lot for me, so I'm going to do a lot for him. That is exactly what it was. That is exactly what it was. Which is not what he's looking for. No. It's not. I can stand with you. Brian, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. It's well-intentioned. But I feel like even communicated at, at, at churches and in Christian conversations, it's always like, okay, now that you know it, like go do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just didn't understand that there's this whole other element with God of just being with him and desiring him. Like y'all have you reread the story of Mary and Martha recently? It's, it's been a couple of months for sure. Wild, wild. Okay. It is crazy. The create. Okay. God creator of the universe spoke things into existence, like kind of a big deal, sent his son to the earth and Jesus with his disciples come into Mary and Martha's home. This is a big deal. Like Very literally big deal. we make jokes about like saving special dishes for the queen of England. Imagine if it was like the son of God, yeah. <laughs> you better pull out your favorite <laughs> yes. dish and Hello. your good China. Like is literally coming into your house. Martha is kind of busy. She's literally serving Jesus, literally feeding, hosting, like running around, probably making her favorite recipe. Yeah. And I can't baking, think. right? Brian? Yes. <laughs> Janelle, I can't think of anything more important. Like you're, you're literally serving Jesus, feeding him. And her sister, Mary is not doing anything. She's sitting next to Jesus. Elijah. That would be my son. (laughs) Get up. She's just exactly. I would, I've made fun of Mary my whole life. I'm like, get up, do something. You're worthless. And she's just sitting with Jesus. She's not doing anything. Like, hello, we got stuff to do. And Martha, out of frustration, and again, I've always thought, yeah, this probably would be me too. Hey, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. That's word for word what she says in because, the NIV version. Because if if Jesus tells you to do something, she knows that like, her sister's going to have to get up and get to work. Yeah, and it's like, okay, if Jesus is here, we need to be serving. This is what he's looking for. Like we need to love, we need to do. 
And Jesus didn't respond with, Martha, your work is so important. Or Martha, thank you for serving me. Or Martha, I can see that you're giving to the kingdom. All responses I would have or, expected. this is a really great casserole you've yeah. prepared for me. No, <laughs> obviously. He said, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Only one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen what is better. It will not be taken from her. Man, when I read this and I was like, wait, God doesn't need our help. God doesn't want our doing. God wants a relationship. God wants my desire to be with him to be stronger than my desire to do for him. Like my wanting to just sit and be with him was what he was looking for. And I just had always read Mary and Martha as like almost an Enneagram test or a personality test that it's like, which Bible character are you? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. are like you, you had an option? Are you, yes, Janelle. Yeah. Yes. I was like, are you more of a Mary or more of a Martha? Mm-hmm. Well, I've heard it preach like that before. Yeah. That's not the, this is not, are you one or the other? This is literally one choice that we each have. Like we either have the choice to be busy feeding God or to feed on him. We will either be distracted with work or we will sit in complete worship. We will either have our own ideas or we will have complete surrender. Like this is the Mary versus Martha choice. It's not, do you like to be busy or do you like to rest? It's this internal choice of, are you working so hard to try to feed God or are you feeding on him? That is life changing. It is crazy. I actually, as you were talking previously, Hannah, I was thinking of how profound it is to realize the arrogance involved, even though we're all well-intentioned when we do it, of God needs me to start this ministry. God needs yeah. me to do this. You know, my friend Noel gives the example of those of us who are parents who invite our kids to help us cook in the kitchen. We are not inviting them to help us cook because they're really helpful and really good cooks. <laughs> we're doing it because we want the relationship and the time with them. Yeah. And I just, for a long time, have operated my relationship with God. Like, I am a gourmet chef, and he needs me in this kitchen. And, man, it was was a year ago when a lot of this started changing for me, and I had a friend look at me straight in the eye and say, Hannah, you know God doesn't need you to do anything for him, right? And I was like, no, I do not know that. You're like, have you met me? (laughs) I was like, I do not know that. And that is where all of this started to shift when I was, again— all of a sudden reading my Bible and seeing, man, God wants my desire, not my doing. I never knew that. Yeah. And it kind of puts in perspective that, oh yeah, sorry. I guess you don't need me to do But that's the crazy thing is like, we understand the story of the gospel, but then somehow when we come to know the Lord, we think it's different. Like we're like, yes, God does everything. We do nothing. He gives us this gift. Oh yeah, but now once I have the gift, I like better get to work. And it's like, no, no, no. The literally, Jesus sent his son to restore a relationship between us and God. Not so that we would get to work being busy proving that we love him. Like he did this for relationship. And yeah, uh Brian, I am blown away that even back in Bible times, people were asking these questions. God, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? In John 6, we see people um, kind of trying to figure this out with Jesus. Like, hey, what do I do? 
like, what do I, what must I be doing to be doing the works of God? Cause essentially <laughs> they are, uh, like Jesus is teaching about being the bread of life and about how, uh, you know, God provided manna in the desert, but now I am the bread of life. And he's saying, don't work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life. And they're like, okay, okay. So I don't work for things that don't matter. I work for things that do matter. Okay, awesome. So uh, Jesus, verse 28, what must I be doing to be doing the works of God? It's a very specific question and they want tangible actions they can take. Yeah. If I'm not supposed to work for things that are pointless, I'll work for things that are kingdom focused. So how do I do that? So I got a pen. Right. Let's, let's make a list. God. And Jesus says, this is the work of God that you believe in him who has been sent. What? And if I was there, I would have said, hold on, excuse me. Thanks for that. I asked you what I should be doing. <laughs> but it's funny, Brian. That's how he answers it all the time. In yes. John 16, 30, a man says, hey, what do I need to do to be saved? Jesus says, believe in the Lord and you will be saved. It is not a doing it is this internal belief, love, desire for the Lord. And this doesn't stop when we come to know him. Like it wasn't just this verse, what do I need to do to be saved? Yes. But in John six, what is the work of God? What do I need to do to be working towards eternal life? And it's like, you know me, John seventeen three. This is eternal life to know the one who sent me like knowing God, a desire for him not a doing. And Brian, I was telling you uh, about how I just read this verse in Romans that shook me to my core, <laughs> like crazy. So my understanding was the first half of the Bible was about doing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, there's a lot to do. A lot of laws. <laughs> the Old Testament. All kinds of laws. There's laws, there's <laughs> rules. Len's house. Yes. Rule. <laughs> You're familiar with the concept of this. Like it was like in order to show my love for God, there was things I needed to do. Right. And then Jesus came and flipped the script. Yeah. But there has to be some part of God that still appreciates my doing and obeying because that's what the whole first half of the Bible was. Right. Yeah. Y'all, this is nuts. Okay. Romans nine. I just found this two weeks ago and I can't, I'm like, where was this my whole life? Romans nine, 30 through 33. What shall we say then that Gentiles, so me and you, who did not pursue righteousness have attained it, righteousness by faith? Okay, yes. So this is the gift of God. Even though we mess up, he sees us as righteous and pure. But Israel, Old Testament, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching the law. Why? And I assumed this verse was going to say, because they couldn't keep all the rules because they didn't obey God, because they didn't do the right stuff. No, 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 no. Israel, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching the law. Why? Verse 33, because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. It is like the whole Bible is screaming this. Friends, when you come to know me, God is saying, when you accept this sweet gift that is free, what I am looking for is a person who desires me. Like this is what the greatest commandment is. Mm -hmm. Love the Lord, your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. It is not serve the Lord, your God with all your heart, with all your strength. 
It is not volunteer for the Lord with all your heart and all your strength. It is love. It is this secret thing between you and God in your heart. And that is awesome. Like, I just didn't know. I just thought my doing was the main thing on how I showed God I loved him. I want to do some psychoanalysis. I don't know if you've done it yet. Oh, man, this sounds intense. How old are you again? Intense. Uh, 31. 31? Yes. Wow. I I thought you were like 21. (laughs) Get out of here, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that was a lie. Just kidding. Uh, So, how you? and this has only been happening recently that you've been kind of getting with the Lord and feeling this deeper love with Jesus and learning some of these things. And, but you've been raised Christian. Oh yeah. My whole life. I mean, I've, I've loved Jesus. I've accepted his gift of salvation. Like I've been all in. Yes. Yeah. I, I believe oh, you were saved completely previous to this spiritual transformation you're going through. So how is it that you went, I don't, let's just say 30 years, not knowing this. Do you, have you figured that out yet? Oh man. I, I'm not saying you should have known. I'm just trying to figure out what happened because there's a lot of people who are in your same boat who have gone how many decades in the Christian faith, not knowing the things you're saying. I know. I've tried to evaluate this a million times, Brian. I really have. Do you want to know something trippy? Uh, I talked about this a little bit on air yesterday, but I had someone come up to me this weekend who said, um, I've been praying for you for five years that God would take you deeper with him. And seeing you talk about your relationship with God now, I'm realizing he answered my prayers. Wow. Which was maybe one of the most overwhelming conversations I've ever had in my life because I literally did not know who this person was. And (laughs) it started to ask this question in my mind of like, wow, did I have nothing to do with this? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just... And Brian, this question I get asked... All the time. Like every time I'm talking about this new, this newness that I'm experiencing and this deeper peace of God and trying to yell to everyone I know that there is more to experience in God, I get these same doing questions. Like, Hannah, what did you do different? Hannah, what does your quiet time look like now? What are you doing so that your desire has grown so much? Hannah, what has changed that you enjoy God so much? Like, we now even are asking the doing questions. What do I do? What do I do? What yeah. do I do? And that's the wrong question. Yeah, I just... Right? Is that it what you're is, Brian. It is, because my quiet time with God did not make me want more of Him. Something I did didn't change my desire for God. It was the opposite. Wanting more of God changed my quiet time. Wanting more of God, desiring Him changed my calendar. Wanting more of God changed all of these things in my life. I didn't have a doing problem. It wasn't that I wasn't doing enough quiet time or doing this right or reading the Bible the right way. It was that I had a desire problem. My two goalposts that I was always running towards was fun and success. Anything I did in my life, even spiritually, It was, is this going to be fun? And is this going to either be successful, make me look good, or be productive? Those were my desires. When I looked at how I spent my time, and again, this is as someone who loved the Lord. When I loved Jesus, I'm not saying like, this is the most sinful way to live. I'm just saying as I pulled back and said, God, what is the biggest desires in my heart? It was to have fun and to be a productive and successful person. 
And this is why I've talked so much about fasting because fasting from the things I desired was not an act of doing. It was not God. Look how much I want you that I'm willing to give this stuff up. God, look how much I love you that I'm willing to give all of these things up. It wasn't doing. It was desire. It was God. If I take these things out of my life that I love and that I long for, will you instead fill me with your desire? It was a desire for God. Psalm 73, 25, there is nothing on earth I desire besides you. That's the game changer, the desiring him, not doing something different. And Brian, that's it. It's the word freedom. Like I, I, there is so much freedom in our relationship with God and it has blown me away. And again, understanding that God does not want my doing. He wants my desire. That's right. It literally, again, sorry, controversial, made me quit almost everything for a while. Like I quit volunteering. I quit my read a Bible in a year plan. I quit feeling like I needed to lead Bible studies and attend small groups. I traded all of that for quiet, just little hidden time with me and God, not doing for him but desiring him, what Mary did sitting with him and the AW Tozer quote uh, that I use a lot says you have exactly as much of God as you want. And that was, again, that was me. It wasn't a doing. It was a desire problem. I didn't want more of him. I already had enough and I was just doing more. It's a desire. It's a wanting. It's literally loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And just like a marriage, wanting more of that one-on-one time and, and enjoying that more than you do being at big group parties together. I get to know Caleb differently when we're one-on-one on a date than I do when we're at a New Year's Eve party with 50 people. And my interaction with God, I was always in groups. I was at church. I was in the life group. I was doing things with other believers who also loved God and learning from each other. But I was doing that at the cost of my date time, of my desiring a one-on-one sweetness of time with God. And, and see, what's, what's fascinating to me to watch about this too is, is you are the quintessential extrovert. Oh, I love me some people. Yeah. And so this is like antithetical to that part of you. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And I think God pushes us in, in different ways, which is, you know, I think part of our, our just slightly tweaked view on the, on the same result, because I'm the introvert who have to be pushed to do do something. And you're the extrovert who has to be pushed to stop something. Yeah. And I just love seeing what God's doing in your life in this. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Me too. I just, uh, once I started to grasp this idea that, again, just this thought, is God's love language quality time? As I'm reading all these stories, it's like his longing is for our heart and our desire of him. And it is, there's just nothing cooler than that. That's what we all want. That's what we want in friendships. That's what we want in marriage. We want someone who wants to know us and be with us. Not just someone who's like, well, I really like you because you bring me meals and because you're a great friend and because you help me fold my laundry. It's like, no, I want someone who just likes me. And this is the sweet part of Jesus is he's like, this is just, it's such a personal invitation to know him. And it's, and it's not complicated. We want it to be complicated. We want it to be a list of things. (laughs) We love a list. We love a list. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of intimacy with Jesus through the gospel is that it truly is that simple. And you know, what's funny, Brian, I all the time felt like I needed to be doing because when God came back, that's what he was going to do. I heard this, like, 
you know, he's going to come back. He's going to look at everything we did and how we spent our life. I had, that's why I was like, man, I better get to work, you know, tell people about Jesus, do stuff. I read this verse this week in first Corinthians four, verse five, uh, do not pronounce judgment before time, before the Lord comes. So we've known this, you know, God will judge. Uh, he will bring to light the things that are hidden and will disclose the purpose of your heart. What? (laughs) I thought he was going to disclose my doing. I thought he was going to look at my calendar. I thought he was going to look at how much I volunteered at church or how many people I led to Jesus. Huh? No, he is going to judge my heart, my desire, my internal motivation. Whatever our internal motivation is will outpour into an external response but he's not judging the response. He's judging my heart, my desire for him. That is sweet. Is that not the freeing, most freeing thing ever? There is such freedom in this. It is so exciting. Yeah. It's not anything we need to do. He just wants us to love him. And that is so cool. I've considered renaming the podcast Yelling for Jesus. <laughs> uh, but it it kind of sounds weird. You know what I mean? No one's like, oh, I want to listen to someone yell for Jesus. But apparently you do because you're listening to this podcast where I feel like all I do is yell. Oh, guys, did you taste that freedom? Like, can you start to wrap your mind around this idea that... Yes, there's work to do for God and with God, but that isn't where we start. That isn't what our relationship is based on. That is an overflow of a heart that is worshiping and desiring and hungering for God. I want to tell you a little bit um, of what that looked like for me. Uh, Y'all, when this started to happen in my heart and in my life where I was like, I want more of God, but I don't. Like, I want to want it. I'm hungry for more, but I'm not. Like, I'm I'm hungry to be hungry. I went through this time with God where he literally had me quit everything. And anything that I didn't quit, (laughs) I got fired from. (laughs) Seriously. Like, great ministry work that said, bye, we don't need you anymore. And... At the time, I was very angry and very frustrated. And looking back, it's like, all right, God, in order to teach me this lesson, literally took it all. And when everything was stripped away and I wasn't working and doing and serving and volunteering and leading, I wasn't like, I need to read through my whole Bible. I need to do. I need to do. And God took me to Mary and Martha and said, Hannah, be Mary. Just be with me. This is what I want from you. I don't care about the the doing if it's not this overflowing of my time with you. And because this is a weird thing to talk about, because if you grew up in the church and you're in the church, like we're used to hearing the message of go and do. And I don't want to take away from that because that is still true. Like you could come back at me with, hundreds of verses that talk about the things we are to do out of our love for the Lord. But the reason I talk about this so much and I caution people is because it was, I was, I had some of this backwards. I just, I was doing, but friends, I was not spending time with God regularly 
honestly, not really at all. Because I thought the work of God was the same as getting to know God. And it's not. So if you're listening to this and you're like, man, Hannah, I'm obsessed with God. I spend time with him every day. I seek him. My heart desires him. But I'm also doing all this stuff. I say, great. I celebrate that. That's what Jesus did. Like in John 4, the disciples are trying to get Jesus to eat some food. And I love this. Jesus turns to them and says um, in verse 32, I have food to eat that you don't know about. Sassy Jesus. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? <laughs> like, hey, what's this bro eating? Is someone feeding him and we don't know about it? Jesus says, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do not say there are yet four months and then comes harvest. Look, I tell you, lift your eyes and see that the fields are ready for harvest. And the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So the sower and the reaper rejoice together. This is how Jesus ends this. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. Friends, I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Okay, guys, that could be a whole different podcast, but Jesus was so intimate with God, sought him, delighted in him, surrendered to him, completely on his face in worship to him, that out of that, there was a response. God called him into work. But do you notice what this work is? Jesus says to us, I send you to reap, so to do work, for that which you did not labor. It's like when we have this closeness and this desiring and this hunger for God, we're seeking Him every day, we're surrendering our lives, we're dying to ourselves. He will invite you into His work. He will. I'm not saying that goes away. I'm saying... That's that's the next step. And some of us have it backwards. I did. I was reaping for which I did labor. <laughs> I was like, I got to make this happen. I got to get people to know Jesus. I got to lead the Bible study. I got to do. I got to go. Like, YOLO for the kingdom. And now that I understand, every time Jesus is calling us to work and to do, he's saying that it's literally out of an outpouring of our obsession and our time with God. So friends, if you don't experience that now, I would like you to quit everything. <laughs> Caleb tells me all the time, are you going to get kicked out of the church when you say these things? I'm like, I don't know, bro, but this is what God's showing me and it's what I got to say. Stop leading the Bible study. Like stop, stop, stop volunteering. Stop doing all these things. Not forever. Just for a time. For me, it was 12 months. It was 12 months that God had to take me to this quiet place that no one saw. And just between me and him brought me to this deeper place. And friends, you're invited to that. He is literally pursuing you. If you're listening to this, God is pursuing you for that same level of this closeness, this desire, this worship of him. Woo! Uh, man, Number one, I want you to learn this from God. But if you're not quite in that spot yet and you would like someone to kind of come alongside you, uh, having a merry heart in a Martha world was a game changer book for me. And uh, there's also a book called Adoration by Martha Kilpatrick that rocked my face off when it came to Mary and Martha. So 
Uh, Dig into one of those if you want. Talk to me about it. I am so jazzed about this, friends, because God tells us it is the best thing on the planet and he ain't tripping. It is. So thank you for uh, sticking in all these minutes, (laughs) making it to the end of the episode. Uh, Friends, I just want you to know that there's more. I want you to taste it. I want you to hunger for it. And there's just nothing in the world quite like it. So whether the coronavirus has made your life even busier or has all of a sudden brought things to a standstill, will you engage God in this and say, Lord, I want to want you. I want this hunger. I want to desire you. Show me what that looks like. Y'all, there's more. <laughs>